it's the same thing with the cloud. You know, they just need that event <laughs> to make people just forget about old ways of thinking, forget about control, and let's advance the company and let's move it in this new direction. Welcome to the Masters of Data podcast, the podcast that brings the human to data. And I'm your host, Ben Newton. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Masters of Data podcast. And um, I'm excited about our guest today. Uh, Mike Cavus is a longtime veteran of the, of the cloud space. He's actually the chief cloud architect at Deloitte's Cloud Practice and excited to talk to him today. Welcome, Mike, to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, always love talking cloud. <laughs> uh, and it's... Uh, it's uh, I, 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 in particularly in this you know situation, I think I've this has come up um, a lot. So I'm really excited to get into this, and you you really definitely have some a really interesting background. And talking about that, you know, how did you uh, how did you end up where you're at? You know, um, you you've 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 done you know you have decades of experience in the cloud in particular. But what's what's kind of your story? Where did you come from? Yeah, so I, I worked uh, a lot of small mid sized companies my whole career. And I was at this one company which was doing, you know, targeted marketing coupons at the point of sale. I was there for a very long time. And every year they would say, you know, we had dial ups. We had to dial into, you know, 30,000 grocery stores and update the database. And every year they'd say, what is it going to take to do real time? We do all this analysis and it was always more than our entire IT budget. So you get to about 2007 and I'm like, hey, you know, the cloud's the way to go. Instead of pushing everything down, you know, the systems can just make a call up to cloud and people are like, yeah, you're crazy. So I left and we did a startup. Uh, at, amazingly, at the same time, some guy came up with an idea similar to that and needed a technologist and we got connected and I left and we basically did a digital coupon um, from Amazon, really. So you'd go shopping and uh, you'd buy your stuff and the cash your hit total and everything would go up to the cloud and figure out what your coupons and rebates and all that stuff was. It would send it back down in milliseconds and it, voila, it would come off your order. So, you know, the old model was we had to put a server in every store. The new model is you don't have to do anything. You just turn on some functionality and a point of sale. So that's how I got into it. That's like 2008. And did that for a few years. Uh, we actually won the Amazon Challenge 2010, sold in 2013 or something like that, somewhere around there. And I worked for that company for a while and uh, basically said, you know, I, I just want to help people figure out this cloud thing. So I've been consulting, whew, I don't know, five, six, seven years now. I was at a um, cloud technology partners for about four or five years and they got acquired. And then I moved over to Deloitte where I've been a little over two years here. So I've seen a lot, right? I've seen it from when cloud was, you know, when I got on Amazon, there was about eight APIs, right? There's storage disk, queuing, that was it. And, you know, we were doing, you know, we were managing MySQL across multiple regions and zones ourselves. And then this thing like RDS came out and I'm like, hmm, I don't have to do any of that work anymore. So it's been, it's been a fat, now you, you can pretty much do anything as a service. It's been a fascinating journey. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a good reminder because I think you, you see a lot of people that got into this recently and like, was well, like always been like that. And he's like, no, actually, uh, uh, it was a storage in the beginning. It's amazing to see how yeah. fast it's changed though. Yeah. I, I just remember we were going nuts because you can get a server for 50 cents a 
<laughs> you know, 50 cents. And now that same server is like pennies, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, and, and, and I'm sure you have, uh, you know, somewhat similar background to that. When, when I started out, I remember carrying around the 20, 30, $100,000 servers. And, you know, I actually, um, actually did some of the racking myself for a project yep. and, uh, and moving from that to where I probably, I haven't visited, you know, I didn't visit a data center for probably a decade. Hadn't seen the blinking lights. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and where it's gone to, I mean, my, my daughter's like in her early 20s is certified on like Wix and, and all these platforms, right? And yeah. she builds websites for people, right? And someone asked her mm. some infrastructure question and she texts me and says, what's a server? And it kind of blew my mind, but, <laughs> you know, it blew my mind because she's never had a deal with the infrastructure and she's making you know, top quality websites for people because that's all been abstracted. And, you know, sometimes we just need to get out of hugging our old technologies and think about that. You know, here's a 21 year old with a marketing degree that's building amazing websites and it doesn't even know the servers. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. Cause I remember, uh, I remember early when I was in college building really ugly websites as a technologist <laughs> with, <laughs> it's like, Hey, I can make text blink. <laughs> I'm so good at HTML. <laughs> uh, well, that's uh, no, that's 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 really cool, and it's and and I think is um, you, you've definitely had a really interesting vantage point to see how um, you know, how companies have been adopting and how it's been changing things. And you know, one thing when uh, you and I were talking before, and a subject that I'm I'm really passionate about is I think there's a, I think it's changed, but you know, in general, when uh, you know, cloud adoption really started accelerating. I think there was this an idea is like, oh, it's servers in the cloud. I'll go do that. And, 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 and people weren't really, uh, companies weren't really thinking that, hey, to really take advantage, if you, you know, you don't, Netflix is not just servers in the cloud. Like they, they operate a different way or, you know, a lot of these right. cloud native companies, they operate a different way. Um, and, and there hasn't been a full recognition of that. So, I mean, what, what, what do you, what do you, what do you see from your side? I mean, you, you work with people every day that are trying to make that transition, right? Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, I'll just tell a little journey of what I've seen over the years. Like when I started in consulting, which was probably around 2013, it was all about what's the ROI? I mean, people weren't even going to the cloud. They were trying to understand the ROI. And then they, you know, a year later, everyone's starting to go there. And it's like, how do I build on the cloud? How do I build? So it's all about the tech. And then around 2015, it's like, what's this DevOps? Everyone want to know about DevOps and new ways of working. And then we got to like now and it's like, okay, I'm on the cloud. I've got CICD. How do I run this stuff? Everything's breaking. You know, we went from a data center with defined processes, good or bad. If something broke, we kind of knew how to respond. Now we're in the cloud and all we thought about was the tech and something breaks. And it's like, what happens now? So now there's this big movement on, What's the right operating model? How do we need to organize? How do we rethink our processes? How do we, you know, before we go automate, let's fix some of these legacy steps. You know, the step that got put in when we were deploying twice a year doesn't make sense when I'm trying to deploy twice a day, you know. So it's like the last two years, I've been more of a psychologist than a technologist. (laughs) And I haven't really been doing much of the technology. It's all been about how do we rethink organizational models how do we rethink how do we shift roles and responsibilities closer to the people who know the product and service they're building so that's that's where a lot of my work is now and i think 
that's where companies have a problem adopting cloud. You, they, they usually start with a group of really intelligent people who build something fantastic and have success, but they have a hard time scaling that to the rest of the company because it, it takes right. the whole company to change. It's more than five, six people figuring some stuff out. Yeah. And where, uh, no, and that's, that's, it's really interesting. Um, you, the, you know, in particular, I, I you, you remind me of, um, when when the devops discussions you know started call it like you know uh you know late 2000s you know 2010 time frame where that where they were really getting going it was what was it all about it was all about puppet versus chef it's like how do i you know what what techie tool (laughs) yeah 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 for a lot of people but it's really funny i i remember um we we hosted a a session with gene kim and then he he gave a presentation and it was all about um, organizational models, models and Taylorism versus, you know, it's, I mean, it was a little mind boggling. People were just eating it up, but it is, it, it, it is, it is really, it is really interesting that you've, there's these cultural models and, and what, what do you, you know, in particular, when you talk about making that transition, you know, what are the, what are the things that companies are really, are really struggling with? Cause there, I mean, there's obviously a lot of ways to, to talk about, but what is it about the organizational models you think that are holding them back? Change. Change is hard. So it it's easy. I, I always say this, technology is easy. People are hard, right? It's, you can always, every place I go, re, regardless of how screwed up or how advanced they are, there's always brilliant people at these organizations and they can always figure out the technology problems. But when it comes time to rethink organizational structures, rethink business processes, there's people's jobs that are tied to those things. There's people who've been trained to think a certain way for many years. It's just hard to break that mold. And even when you get there, there's a VP who owns these 60 people who doesn't want to release it. To, you know, there, there's politics. So that stuff is so hard. And, uh, you know, something like, like COVID-19, right? I I guarantee you there's tons of companies that have been trying to go remote forever and ever. And people just said, no, no, no. And then an event happened and they had to do it. You know what? They figured it out. It's the same thing with cloud. You know, they just need that event (laughs) to make people just forget about old ways of thinking, forget about control and let's advance the company and let's move it in this new direction. You know, it's, it's interesting where you phrase that. Do you, um, so the event that drives change, and I mean, I guess that's you know, as a as a psychologist, there's probably some psychological term for that. But um, do you do you think that what's going on right now is that event for for a lot of companies, or is it is it overblown the idea that this is really driving change? Um, for for some, so uh, my colleague Dave Linthicum wrote an interesting article about this a few weeks ago. But he has uh, someone he knows is a CIO. All on-prem, right? And they have this major system that went down right right after we quarantined everyone, right? And they needed to replace a lot of infrastructure. And all the replacement infrastructure was shrink-wrapped on the raised floor, ready to go, but nobody could go in. Everyone was quarantined. Oh, yeah. So it took a while to – the system was down for a while. And that particular CIO is like, okay, I think it's time to rethink, you know – our fears of the cloud and security of having it and doing it ourselves. I mean, we, you know, that's crazy. We can't let this happen again. So that particular company is, you know, when we come out of this, they're going to be going full blown, you know, 
move towards the cloud and try to get out of a situation like that. And that's just one story. I'm sure there's, there's many, many others. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I've definitely heard them from, uh, from my side too. Cause you see, yeah, there's, cause, cause even when you're talking, <clears throat> you know, managing, you know, the infrastructure, you know, Amazon and Google and Facebook and all these other companies are running, um, you know, Microsoft that are running really large data center operations. I mean, they've already figured out how to do a lot of that stuff in a fairly automated way, in a way that would actually, you know, be compatible with social distancing. So they're, they're actually, I mean, for the most part, probably okay. Whereas if you're, you know, kind of even in old style, um, you know, data center operations, you're, you know, you know, they're, they're just not, they're not equipped for that. Well, that's their core competency. That's what they're in business to do. If I'm a healthcare provider, I'm not there to be great at infrastructure. I'm there to be great at healthcare. So we all know the story of electricity, right? So, right. but what one story we probably don't know is that before, you know, we had outlets in the wall, company, the companies that could afford it would buy and manage their own generators, right? Mm-hmm. So they would buy these big machines and they would run it and they'd have a VP of electricity and a bunch of people oh. underneath that person. And that was one of the most critical things in the company because if the electricity went down, the machines were down, the, you know, the assembly line was down, business was done. Right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden electricity was a utility that you plugged into the wall. Right. So if you liken that to the cloud, right, you build and rack and stack these machines, everything's in your data center, and now it's available as a utility. Why should I take the operating model from when I had to do this all myself to the cloud and apply it? Just as why, and I'm sure this happened, that obviously wasn't around in the 50s, but I'm sure the VP of electricity put up a big fight when we started plugging things in the wall. We didn't need them anymore. And I'm sure they had checklists, lots of checklists because the power went down. They're doomed. I'm sure when they moved to an outlet in the wall, they probably brought a lot of those legacy, you know, check gates and stuff like that with them. It's the same thing that's happening in the cloud. Now, the difference is over time, everyone's on an outlet and we don't do generators anymore. I don't think that's the case with the cloud. We'll always live in this hybrid environment, but we shouldn't hinder the adoption in the cloud to the processes and controls and everything that was put in place when we were deploying twice a year, when we were buying, racking and stacking, we still need to do those things, but let's not constrain. You know, what what happens is we wind up using the cloud as an infrastructure as a service only. So we commoditize the cloud and that's not really the value that that's valuable. If you're eliminating data centers, but it's not valuable for building modern applications, right? The, the advantage in the cloud is that agility, moving up the stack, using things like Amazon's RDS and managed service or GCP's BigQuery. I mean, you can't get that anywhere else. You know, that's, that's the value in the cloud. And too often we're taking our best practices, and I always put best in quotes, um, and moving that to the cloud and just tools and, and everything and the thinking. And we wind up with a very expensive data center in the cloud. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it makes, 
Makes sense. You know, and, and, and it actually is, it actually is really, it, it actually is a really interesting um, analogy because in particular, I mean, if you think about the development of the electrical grid and how that's changed over time, it's, uh, you know, in some sense, it's some, some part of that has come back. Like you, you, you're, I guess the hybrid version of that is that, yeah, I have a backup generator and now you have, um, you know, uh, people putting, you know, solar panels on, on buildings to, you know, balance energy needs or whatever. But in, in that sense, like there's, there's always this back and forth about, you know, where that's being managed. But at the end of the day, the companies are still not managing it as their core competency. It's not like you need a VP of electricity. You may, you may, uh, decide to, you know, have that backup generator, but you're, you're, you're adopting that in a way that does this like, you're not, you're not being tied to the past. And I, I think that's a, I think that's pretty cool. Cool analogy. Yeah, and the, the other point there is that it's not like we don't need someone thinking about electricity anymore, right? So when we when we plug into a wall, well, now we still need to think about redundancy. So now we have multiple providers, and we have we have uh, you know we may play war games, and what happens if this provider doesn't go? So that it doesn't go away. It's the roles and responsibilities change. And that's why I talk so much about the operating model. You know, when we build in the cloud, you know, like I said earlier, you know, most places you throw it over the wall to a team that has all these processes, they may have a knock and they just, no matter how good or bad it is, they know what to do. Then you move to the cloud and you have nothing, right? It's greenfield. You have nothing, right? And you could just do the same thing you did, right? Or... You could, you know, I, I like to say, you know, we have this eventual architecture. We have 30 years of spaghetti and that's our architecture today. You can put <laughs> all that crap in the cloud and you can get a real spaghetti architecture because you can make change real good. Or you can take this once in a lifetime opportunity to start with a clean slate and build a new operating model, build a whole new platform to run, build and run software on and all that. And that's the mistake a lot of people make. They just bring everything forward. And 30 years of, you know, trailer park architecture. I have this I have this one slide where there's all these <laughs> trailer parks all over the place on stilts with taped up windows and eventual architecture. I just, no one designs it that way. It just happens, you know, over the years you stick stuff together, right? Don't bring that to the cloud. This is your opportunity to do something right. Get it, get the foundations right. I, I, uh, I think I, I really like that trailer park architecture. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, it reminds me of, I, I saw somebody, uh, else that I've, I've actually used a picture in, in a few, uh, presentations where they, they had, um, you know, where you see like in Brazil and some of those neighborhoods where people are basically stealing power and there's like cords going, there's, there's oh, literally yeah. like a massive cable and they called it, um, uh, like building, um, building uh for you know sky it was like skyscraper favelas in code or something like that but basically you know you're taking that same kind of thing um, and building in the cloud but i think the trailer park architecture is a little bit more accessible i like that <laughs> well the, the funny thing about that slide is i i created a presentation called soa and change remember when soa was a thing and that yeah, yeah, slide yeah. was in there and that deck was i think 2006 I can do a replace yeah. all SOA with cloud and that's, that deck would work perfectly because it's the same thing when we adopted, moved from the mainframe to Windows and client server, when we adopted the internet, when we started doing ERP, it's change and organizational change management, operating model changes. Those are the things we fail at. We always figure out the tech 
but we we make the journey so much harder and more expensive than it has to be because we only focus on tech. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and one thing I'd love to ask you about, because it, it's, it's something that I've been really interested in myself and I'm, I'm always interested to see what, what people are seeing because, you know, one of my, um, one of my favorite books on the subject, um, by, uh, from Stephen O'Grady over at Red Monk, he wrote, um, the new Kingmakers, but he makes this argument that, that basically cloud, cloud unleashed the software engineering organizations because they didn't, you know, IT wasn't the, the gatekeeper to compute anymore. Like they weren't the gatekeeper to, to the architecture where you could go build things. And when you, when they actually could literally go and swipe a credit card, then suddenly it, it, it started changing their operating model. So you started seeing the power shift to, um, these engineering organizations and, you know, and if you get like in a, in a wider view, um, it, it it seems like there's kind of a when you talk about that um, that you know people architecture shift that organizational kind of change it seems like it's more than just okay we're going to have a DevOps team in our in our IT organization there's a there's kind of a fundamental ownership operating model and new relationship with the people who actually build the code right I mean what do you what do you see I I agree with that so before I started my startup journey we were on this one project where we wanted to buy like 10 one new blade servers and we had to go through this department who had a different set of priorities than us and, and honestly didn't even like us. And eight months later, I'm still waiting for that. Right. And then like a year later, they're finally giving it to me and I'm like, well, these are outdated. I want newer ones. Right. And then I left for a startup and went right click 10 servers, bam. And I'm like, Hmm, I got some power now. I can, I can do some things. And, and the, the other thing about that is a cloud without those handcuffs to have to go to this person for infrastructure, I can figure out what the best infrastructure is for me. So again, going back to that company, regardless of what my business problem was, I had to use this big IBM box and I was shared with everyone else, regardless of what my problem was. And regardless of what my problem was, I had to use this Oracle database. And then I go to the cloud and I'm like, well, I need a graph database for this. I need Elasticast for this. I need a relational database for this. And I need Hadoop for that. Same app, right? So same collection yeah. of apps. And you know what? I don't have to hire Hadoop people. I don't have to hire graph database people. I don't have to. I can just do this myself because it's abstracted. Same thing with my daughter, right? What's a server? I'm like, I, I'm not it great at setting up Elasticast, but now I don't have to, right? So you've right. kind of freed developers to experiment and use the best technology instead of being forced to use what we have golf shirts for, right? That's what we always used to joke. Oh, I yeah. got this golf shirt that says Natiza, therefore everything must be Natiza, right? Well, not really? <laughs> not really. Just because you had lunch with them 38 times doesn't mean I have to use that, right? I, I want to use what meets my business problem. And the application I'm working on tomorrow has totally different requirements. And I may use, you know, Mongo on that because I can now. So, yeah, it, it empowers them. Um, the danger is the developers sometimes think they don't need these people. And then the, you know, the developers often aren't experts at security, aren't experts at operations, aren't experts at networks. So you still need them. You need their engineering, their architecture insights. You don't need their solutions so much anymore. You need their minds. 
And that's the difference. We used to need their products. Now we need their expertise. And that's why we talk about shift left and full stack teams and all that. We still need these people, but we need to work together to solve solutions. And we need to have the same shared goals. So we're all working towards getting a customer what they need. Instead, what I was used to is I used to love this. We go in this meeting and I had my top 10 priorities and the database team had their top 10 and the network team had their top 10 and none of mine were on theirs. And it's like, how does this even work? Right. It doesn't. Yeah. You know, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I remember that was, um, you know, having come from that same exact same background. And I remember having a conversation with, a with, a, a, say a, a millennial software engineer, um, you know, and, and basically talking to him and it's like, uh, and he's talking about setting up a database and doing all this work. And then I realized that, you know, at, at Sumo Logic, we don't have a DBA. And it was, it is, it, 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 and I, and I remember to, to your point, one of my, you know, first really big consulting gigs um, back in the day is like Oracle was like the center of the world. Everything revolved around this ginormous Oracle cluster that we built out, right? And the DBAs kind of ruled the day. And, um, and I think now to that, to, to, to your point, it's, it's, it's not about, at least for like a lot of what I've seen, it's not, it's not about the, you know, the A and the, in the, in the DBA, it's not about the administration. It's about, you know, the architecture, like, well, what's the right way to, to set this stuff up? Like, how should you think about it? Like, okay, so you've, you've used the automated version of X, Y, and Z, but you know, now things are running really slowly because you don't really understand how that kind of structure works. And it shifts the conversation from, I spent my whole life just managing this Oracle cluster and you tell me what you need. And if it fits in my boxes, I'll deliver it for you. Um, well, you know, one thing, one thing I want to, I want to ask for you too, in that context is like what you've seen. Cause it, cause one of the things, and that, that was one of the things I thought was interesting about uh, Stephen O'Grady's book. And then, you know, in particular, I've spent a lot of time recently um, for various different reasons, kind of, uh, looking into like the SRE model, you know, the site reliability engineering model and like how that, how it's different, how it is different and how it fits in and like how people are thinking about it. And at least for me, like one thing that kind of boiled down to was in in some sense, who ends up taking the operational responsibilities? Like, you know, for me, like DevOps was a movement that, like you said, shift left. It was okay. So IT, the IT organization is going to be proactive and they're going to learn enough about what the software engineers are doing so that they can collaborate and they can, they can work together to deliver a better solution. Right. Whereas it seemed to me like to some degree site reliability engineering was, you know what, if we just start from just engineers and we forget that there ever were operational people in the world, this is how we would do it. Do you see any of that where there's kind of like, is there, is there a, how how are these more traditional companies working with that? Because of course, if you're just if you're just a startup and you're starting from scratch, this is even a question. You just hire smart people and you do stuff. But like to your point, when you have an existing company, there's existing culture and and you can't just change that. I mean, how do you see that that back and forth working out? It's it's interesting. Uh, I'll crack a joke about it first. You know, first we wrote a chef script and called ourselves a DevOps engineer. Didn't change anything. Then we renamed ourselves to SREs and didn't change anything. That's that's what a lot of companies are doing. And then there's other companies who get the whole Google model of you build it, you run it, let's pair an SRE team with a dev team, let's, you know, all that. The problem is they're trying to be Google and they're not. So the first thing they do is they set up a center of excellence for SRE. 
it's over before we start, right? And then they try to serve SRE from a central place. And the dev teams are like, I don't need you, right? Because they're still trying to do it in a silo. And you, you really, this comes to becoming a product-centric company, or at least it, within a business unit, you're building something. You have to think product. And when you think product and the person with the budget owns the dev and the ops, and the ops could be the SRE model, then, then it kind of works. But it's like Spotify. Right? Everyone wants to be the Spotify model. And when Spotify first published this stuff, they basically said, don't copy this. This is where we are today. We're, tomorrow we're going to be someplace else and everyone's copying it. It's the same thing with SRE. Oh, let's do exactly what Google says. No, look at the problem they tried to solve. Look at how they solved it. Look at their principles. Those are good principles. Take those and make it yours. You know, change some things. Do what works within your culture. But we we just like to, you know, it's like day trading, right? We're just going to hit the home run today. The same thing with technology. Oh, this, you know, Google did this. Facebook did this. So we're going to do it. It's like, you're not Google. You're not Facebook. But look at, look at the problem statement. Look how they solved it. Learn from that and adjust. Yeah, I, I like the way you, you say product centric. And I, I guess one part of that, are you, how, how are you seeing that, that balance kind of shifting between the product business unit and, and a, and a CIO model? Cause it, at least the way I always viewed it, the CIOs were originally, you know, really kind of created because everybody was running a server in their closet. And, uh, you know, every, every business unit in the office had, you know, their own set of servers and the CIOs kind of existed as a role to bring it in and kind of create a common shared platform. Do you, do you, do you find that that is what is happening? A lot of these companies that are doing it successfully is that the, the power is shifting to the BU or the CIO is doing something differently? I mean, what do you see? I, I think that's where it's heading. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to any of these DevOps Enterprise Summits. Um, that Those are the best. And one of the things they do that I like is they have kind of repeat, I call them repeat offenders, but repeat presenters. So every year you get to see the progression of their story. So the folks have been at it for a long time. They're definitely heading down that path. They're shifting everything left. They're going to T-shaped teams, T-shaped meaning they have all the skills they need and they have dev. That one person is managing both dev and ops. You know, they still have core teams, you know, core platform teams, core security teams and all that. But they ha- the teams that are building product are product focused and they have a full stack team and they have everything they need. They may lean on those center of excellence over there or whatever, but they have what they need. That's where things are heading. I, I read an interesting article on LinkedIn a couple months ago. It was a major financial company, I think. And this thing was that they eliminated the CIO position. They had a CIO and CTO and they eliminated and just had a CTO position. And it was very interesting. They're basically saying, you know, we're we're a technology company. We need to focus on technology. I I haven't seen that widespread. I just saw this one company, but it was a big like financial company. It was, I was kind of blown away from that. I think, you know, you go back to the electricity thing, right? They, well, as soon as plugs were in the wall, that didn't happen overnight, right? People, same thing, right? They made these investments and in all these things that required the generator. It, it happened over many, many years. And that's the same thing that's happening here. It's just the people who have been at it for longer are further along what we're describing here as pushing stuff out to the business units. 
Yeah, you know the um, the CIO to CTO thing. Um, I can uh, I can definitely validate. I've I've actually heard that. Um, it, I mean, it's still a, a a subset, but it seems to be it seems to be happening more. And I've I've seen like uh you know stories about CIOs kind of repositioning themselves. But yeah, it seems like when when they're when companies that really want to make change, sometimes they 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 put in the CTO and I've I've definitely seen that a non-trivial amount of times now where it's 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 um there there's uh there's something going on there or like you know things shifting around and and again uh, that's I think one of the reasons why I find that really interesting is because early on in my career in the early 2000s is when the CIO position was like becoming the big thing and it was um and to see how that's uh that's all kind of turned around um so I, I guess to kind of put a to put a bow on all this, you know, now that you're looking out, uh, you know, after, you know, the situation we're in around, you know, COVID and things start to, you know, get back to some sort of new normal. I mean, what what are you what are you seeing? What are you keeping track of? What what uh, what kind of rises to the top for you and you're, you're watching? Well, I'm I'm a different beast. I'm always out on what's new. So like I was. In looking at this cloud thing, 2006, 2007, right? I'm all over this AI, AI ops stuff. I'm really looking at that. And, uh, you know, when I I had my startup, I was kind of the ops guy, you know, along with raising money and doing all these other things. I didn't have time to code all the time. So I've coded very little, actually, because I was on the road raising money. But I was, you know, living in, New Relic and Nagios and all these things. I was kind of the ops guy. And out of necessity, we had to be very proactive, right? So I, I built this kind of model of, you know, this kind of phases of it. There's reactive ops and there's kind of proactive ops. This is the area I lived in where you have these tools tell you when trends are going south. Then you get to like augmented, right? You get this intelligence ops where it's augmented and it's fully autonomous. If you think about self-driving cars and there's use cases for all of that, right? So when you start thinking about IOT and stuff, you have, you know, thousands of sensors all over the place that has to be pretty autonomous. You can't go out in the middle of cornfields all over the place and start, you know, messing with sensors if you're, you're an ag tech and stuff. So, I'm learning a lot in that space, you know, when to use the different models, what are the technologies that enable that. There's some really cool platforms now. Of course, a lot of these were logging tools. Now they call themselves AI tools. But regardless, there's a lot of platforms for aggregating data, for for helping you get to autonomous or fully automated and all that stuff. And I'm just, I'm a sponge right there right now. And I think that's a way forward. Because when, when you start really getting good at the cloud, you're moving, you know, we used to have, you know, three-tier architectures, you know, a place I worked at, all the servers were named after Star Wars Battleship, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, it, yeah. you know, kind of the pet and cattle thing Randy Bias always talks about. And uh, you're getting to this highly distributed model and, you know, servers come and go. Humans don't scale to watch that stuff. So you have to lever- leverage intelligence. And the thing I always say is you have to trust in your automation that people you know, people don't trust. They still need their checklists and stuff. You can't scale that way. You have to trust in your automation, which means you have to monitor your automation. You know, it's just, it's a whole new area. You know, Andy Mann runs this new panel called, called new ops, which I've been to. It's really people are rethinking ops 
Yeah. Um, well, well, uh, Mike, um, this was, uh, this was a great conversation. I appreciate you coming on. We'll, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to have you back on, uh, another time to talk more about the AI ops stuff. Cause I think we could spend a, a whole uh, episode just talking about that. Would, would love to. Maybe I'll, I'll know a lot more about it next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll ping you to see. You can give me the temperature. But uh, uh, I really appreciate you you coming on. And uh, and, and I think this was, a, this was a great discussion. Thanks for your time, Mike. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And as always, uh, find us and rate us in iTunes or your favorite um, podcast app. And uh, look for the next episode in your feed. Thanks, everybody. Masters of Data is brought to you by Sumo Logic. Sumo Logic is a cloud-native machine data analytics platform delivering real-time continuous intelligence as a service to build, run, and secure modern applications. Sumo Logic empowers the people who power modern business. For more information, go to sumologic.com. For more on Masters of Data, go to mastersofdata.com and subscribe. And spread the word by rating us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app.